Hello, and welcome to Dad and Daughter Read, where we take turns reading classic stories. Today, in honor of it being so close to Chinese New Year, it's on February 5th. We have a Chinese legend to read you. It's about a beautiful princess who listens to her heart, which leads to some surprising moments. I'm the dad, and I'm the daughter, and this is the Princess Quan Yin. Once upon a time in China, there lived a certain king who had three daughters. The most beautiful of these was Quan Yin, who was also the youngest. The old king was very proud of this daughter, for of all the women who had ever lived in the palace, she was by far the most striking. It did not take him long, therefore, to decide that she should be the heir to his throne, and her husband would be the ruler of his kingdom. But Quan Yin was not pleased with this decision. She cared little for the pomp and finery of court life. She saw no pleasure for herself in ruling as a queen, and feared that in such a high station she might be out of place and unhappy. Every day she went to her room to read and study, and as a result of this hard work, she soon went far beyond her sisters along the paths of knowledge, and her name was known in the farthest corner of the kingdom as Quan Yin, the Wise Princess. Besides being very fond of books, Quan Yin was thoughtful of her friends. Her warm heart was open at all times to the cries of those in trouble. She was kind to the poor and suffering. She won the love of the lower classes and was to them a sort of goddess to whom they could appeal whenever they were hungry and in need. Some people even believed that she was a fairy who had come to earth from her home within the western heaven. However this may be, one thing is certain. Quan Yin was pure and good, and well deserved the praises that were showered upon her. One day, the king called this favorite daughter to his bedside, for he felt that the hour of his death was drawing near. Quan Yin knelt before her royal father, touching her forehead on the floor in sign of deepest respect. The old man had her rise and come closer. Taking her hand tenderly in his own, he said, Daughter, you know how I love you. Your modesty and virtue, your talent and your love of knowledge have made you first in my heart. As you know already, I chose you as heir to my kingdom long ago. I promised that your husband should be made ruler in my stead. The time is almost ripe for me to ascend upon the dragon and become a guest on high. It is necessary that you be given at once in marriage. But most exalted father, faltered the princess, I am not ready to be married. Not ready, child? Why are you not eighteen? Are not the daughters of our nation often wedded long before they reach that age? Because of your desire for learning, I have spared you from any thought of a husband, but now we can wait no longer. Royal Father, please hear me, and do not compel me to give up my dearest pleasures. Let me go into a quiet convent where I may lead a life of study and learning. The king sighed deeply at hearing these words. He loved his daughter and did not want to hurt her. Quan Yin, he continued, do you wish to pass by the green spring of youth to give up this mighty kingdom? Do you wish to enter the doors of a convent where women say farewell to life and all its pleasures? No, I will not permit this. It grieves me sorely to disappoint you, but one month from this very day you shall be married. I have chosen for you a very suitable partner a man of many noble ideals. You know him by name already, although you have not seen him. 
Remember that, of the hundred virtues, dutiful conduct is the chief, and that you owe more to me than to all else on earth. Kuan Yin turned pale. Trembling, she would have sunk to the floor, but her mother and sisters supported her, and by their tender care brought her back to consciousness. Every day of the month that followed, Kuan Yin's relatives begged her to give up what they called her foolish notion. Her sisters had long since given up hope of becoming queen, and they were amazed at her stupidity. The very thought of anyone choosing a convent instead of a throne was a sure sign of madness. Over and over again they asked her reason for making so strange a choice, and to every question she shook her head, replying, A voice from the heaven speaks to me, and I must obey it. On the eve of the wedding day, Kuan Yin slipped out of the palace, and after a weary journey arrived at a convent called the Cloister of the White Sparrow. She was dressed as a poor maiden and said she wished to become a nun. The abbess, not knowing who she was, did not receive her kindly. Instead, she told Kuan Yin that they could not receive her into the sisterhood, that the building was full. But finally, after Kuan Yin had shed many tears, the abbess let her enter. However, only as a sort of servant who might be cast out for the slightest fault. Now that Kuan Yin found herself in the life which she had long dreamt of leading, she tried to be satisfied. But the nuns seemed to wish to make her stay among them most miserable. They gave her the hardest tasks to do, and she hardly had a minute to rest. All day long she was busy carrying water from a well at the foot of the convent hill, or gathering wood from a neighboring forest. At night, when her back was almost breaking, she was given even more tasks, enough to have crushed the spirit of any other woman except for this brave daughter of a king. Forgetting her grief and trying to hide the lines of pain that sometimes wrinkled her fair forehead, she tried to make these hard-hearted women love her. In return for their rough words, she spoke to them kindly and never gave way to anger. One day, while poor Kuan Yin was picking up brushwood in the forest, she heard a tiger making his way through the bushes. Having no means of defending herself, she said a silent prayer to the gods for help, and calmly waited for the great beast. To her surprise, when the bloodthirsty animal appeared, instead of bounding up to tear her in pieces, he began to make a soft purring noise. He didn't try to hurt Kuan Yin, but instead rubbed against her in a friendly manner, and let her pet him on the head. The next day, the princess went back to the same spot, and while there, she found no fewer than a dozen savage beasts working under the command of the friendly tiger, all of them gathering wood for her. In a short time, enough brush and firewood had been piled up to last the convent for six months. It seemed that even the wild animals of the forest were better able to judge of her goodness than the women at the convent. At another time, when Kuan Yin was trudging up the hill for the twentieth time, carrying two great pails of water on a pole, an enormous dragon faced her upon the road. Now in China, the dragon is sacred, and Kuan Yin was not at all frightened, for she knew that she had done no wrong. The animal looked at her for a moment, swished its vile tail, and shot out fire from its nostrils. Then, dashing the burden from the startled maiden's shoulder, it vanished. Full of fear, Kuan Yin hurried up the hill to the nunnery. As she drew near the inner court, she was amazed to see in the center of the open space a new building of solid stone. It had sprung up by magic since her last journey down the hill. 
On going forward, she saw that there were four arched doorways to the magical house. Above the door facing west was a tablet with the words, In honor of Quan Yin, the faithful princess, written on it. Inside was a well of the purest water, while, for drawing this water, there was a strange machine, the like of which neither Quan Yin nor the nuns had ever seen. The sisters knew that this magic well was a monument to Quan Yin's goodness. For a few days, they treated her much better. Since the gods have dug a well at our very gate, they said, this girl will no longer need to bear water from the foot of the hill. For what strange reason, however, did the gods write this beggar's name on the stone? Quan Yin heard their unkind remarks in silence. She could have explained the meaning of the dragon's gift, but she chose to let her companions remain in ignorance. At last, the selfish nuns began to grow careless again, and treated her even worse than before. They could not bear to see the poor girl enjoy a moment's idleness. This is a place for work, they told her. All of us have labored hard to win our present station. You must do likewise. So they robbed her of every chance for study and prayer, and they gave her no credit for the magic well. One night, the sisters were awakened from their sleep by strange noises, and soon they heard outside the walls of the compound the blare of a trumpet. A great army had been sent by Quan Yin's father to attack the convent, for his spies had at last been able to trace the runaway princess to this holy retreat. Oh, who has brought this woe upon us? exclaimed all the women, looking at each other in great fear. Who has done this great evil? There is one among us who has sinned most terribly, and now the gods are about to destroy us. They gazed at one another, but no one thought of Quan Yin, for they did not believe her of enough importance to attract the anger of heaven, even though she might have done the most amazing of deeds. Then, too, she had been so meek and lowly while in their holy order that they did not once dream of charging her with any crime. The threatening sounds outside grew louder and louder. All at once a fearful cry arose among the women. They are about to burn our sacred dwelling. Smoke was rising just beyond the enclosure where the soldiers were kindling a great fire, the heat of which would soon be great enough to make the convent walls crumble into dust. Suddenly a voice was heard above the tumult of the weeping sisters. I am sorry, I am the cause of all this trouble. The nuns, turning in amazement, saw that it was Quan Yin who was speaking. You? they exclaimed. Yes, I. For I am the daughter of the king. My father did not wish me to take the vows of this holy order. I fled from his palace. He has sent his army here to burn these buildings and drag me back a prisoner. Look what you have brought upon us, miserable girl, exclaimed the abbess. See how you have repaid our kindness? Our buildings will be burned above our heads. How wretched you have made us. May heaven's curses rest upon you. No, no, exclaimed Quan Yin, springing up and trying to keep the abbess from speaking such frightful words. You have no right to say that, for I am in innocent of evil. Just wait, you shall soon see whose prayers the gods will answer. Yours or mine. So saying, she pressed her forehead to the floor, praying for the almighty powers to save the convent and the sisters. Outside, the crackling of the greedy flames could already be heard. The fire would soon destroy every building on that hilltop. Mad with terror, the sisters prepared to leave the compound, 
and give up all their belongings to the cruel flames and still more cruel soldiers. Quan Yin alone remained in the room, praying earnestly for help. Suddenly, a soft breeze sprang up from the neighboring forest. Dark clouds gathered overhead, and, although it was still the dry season, a drenching shower descended on the flames. Within five minutes, the fire was put out, and the convent was saved. Just as the shivering nuns were thanking Quan Yin for the divine help she had brought them, two soldiers who had scaled the outer wall of the compound came in and roughly asked for the princess. The trembling girl, knowing that these men were obeying her father's orders, poured out a prayer to the gods and straightway made herself known. They dragged her from the presence of the nuns who had just begun to love her. Disgraced before her father's army, she was taken to the capital. The next day she was led before the old king. The father gazed sadly at his daughter, and then the stern look of a judge hardened his face as he called for the guards to bring her forward. From an adjacent room came the sounds of sweet music. A feast was being served there amid great splendor. The loud laughter of the guests reached the ears of the young girl as she bowed in disgrace before her father's throne. She knew that this feast had been prepared for her, and that her father was willing to give her one more chance. Girl, said the king, at last regaining his voice, in leaving the royal palace on the eve of your wedding day, not only did you insult your father, but your king. For this act, you deserve to die. However, because of the excellent record you made for yourself before you ran away, I have decided to give you one more chance to redeem yourself. Refuse me, and the penalty is death. Obey me, and all may yet be well. The kingdom that you rejected is still yours for the asking. All that I require is for you to marry the man whom I have chosen. And when, most impressive king, would you have me decide? Asked Quan Yin earnestly. This very day, this very hour, this very moment, he answered sternly. What, would you hesitate between love upon a throne and death? Speak, my daughter, tell me that you love me and will do my bidding. It was now all that Quan Yin could do to keep from throwing herself at her father's feet and yielding to his wishes, not because he offered her a kingdom, but because she loved him and would gladly have made him happy. But her strong will kept her from giving in, no power on earth could have stayed her from doing what she thought her duty. Beloved father, she answered sadly, and her voice was full of tenderness. It is not a question of my love for you, of that there is no question. All my life I have shown it in every action. Believe me, if I were free to do your bidding, gladly would I make you happy. But a voice from the gods has spoken, has commanded that I remain true, that I devote my life to deeds of mercy. When heaven itself has commanded, what can even a princess do but listen to the power which rules the earth? The old king was far from satisfied with Quan Yin's answer. He grew furious. His thin, wrinkled skin turned purple as the hot blood rose to his head. Then you refuse to do my bidding? Take her, men. Give to her the death that is due to a traitor to the king. As they bore Quan Yin away from his presence, the white-haired monarch fell, fainting from his chair. That night, when Quan Yin was put to death, she descended into the lower world of torture. No sooner had she set foot in that dark country of the dead than the vast region of endless punishment suddenly blossomed forth and became like the gardens of paradise. 
Pure white lilies sprang up on every side, and the odor of a million flowers filled all the rooms and corridors. King Yama, ruler of the Dominion, rushed forth to learn the cause of this wonderful change. No sooner did his eyes rest upon the fair young face of Quan Yin than he saw in her the emblem of a purity which deserved no home but heaven. Beautiful lady, doer of many mercies, he began after addressing her by her title, I beg you in the name of justice to depart from this terrible kingdom. It is not right that the fairest flower of heaven should enter and shed her fragrance in these halls. Guilt must suffer here, and sin find no reward. Depart then from my dominion. A mortal life shall be bestowed upon you, and heaven alone shall be your dwelling place. Thus Quan Yin became the goddess of mercy, and entered into that glad abode, surpassing all earthly kings and queens. And ever since that time, on account of her exceeding goodness, thousands of poor people breathe out their prayers for mercy to her each year. There is no fear in their gaze as they look at her beautiful image, for their eyes are filled with tears of love. Thanks for listening to Dad and Daughter read. If you're celebrating Chinese New Year, then we hope you have a Happy New Year. Or Kung Hai Fa Choi. If you don't celebrate, then have a great February 5th. The theme music is by Komiku, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. And other music by Livia Amanto. You can find more stories like this one by visiting Gutenberg.org or your local library. If you enjoyed our story time today, then we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or say hi over on Twitter at ReadOnPodcast. We'll have a brand new story soon. Until then, find yourself a good story and read on.